Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coordination.com and a, not a founding, but a forever member of the Jittery Monkey Podcast family, but more importantly, perhaps, recently added, officially, an SB Nation podcast. My name is Greg Wahachko, joined by, I'm going to say it again, John, sorry, uh, the two other legs of the tripod, uh, to my right, John Dam Johnston, to my left, Hoss Reuter, gentlemen, welcome back. It's it's uh, great to reconvene the council. Happy to be here. What are we voting on today? Um, do I need voting? to actually? No, no, no. Who are we deposing? Ooh, um, I feel like I, I feel like we have a quorum. Obviously, we have one hundred percent of the uh, membership here. Um, I feel like we need to have a vote. I don't know. Uh, let's just let's just take a quick poll, uh, and and this is a, a rapid fire, lightning round type of uh, type of uh, you know round robin. John, have you had a good week? Yeah, it's uh, you know my, it's getting it's going up. You know, it started out horrible and it it's going up from there. Hoss started out pretty flat and it's going up. Is that what you're saying, Joe? Well, I mean, I my <laughs> headaches were horrible, 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 and today it looks like I'm clearing the fog, and and I felt actually pretty decent today. Good, that, that, good. I'm glad to hear that. Today. Yeah, Hoss. and then uh, you know this this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, Minnesota plays Nebraska and, ba- and baseball here in uh, Minnesota, so I'll be going to that and with a camera and we'll baseball is not a real sport. I I enjoy it. I enjoy college baseball. I can't wait to get because taking we're, naps. We're going to talk you know, about. I, I have a camera in my hand when I'm at baseball, and uh, and the thing about baseball, college baseball especially, is that uh, you don't get all the crap I think that goes on. When, first of all, the the season isn't eleven and a half months long. Uh, second, uh, it's over in June, so it stays away from college football. Uh, the players are way more accessible. The coaches are more accessible. Everything's, I think, much more friendly and family oriented. Family oriented, maybe. I'm, it it just seems more like baseball should be, you know. So you're Any not of, just sitting at the game, double fisting hot dogs and cokes. I I do not. I, Good man. I can't wait because we're going to talk a little bit uh, later on in the show about attendance at, at sporting events. So I can't wait to talk because baseball is one of those. Especially, you know, for me, and, and I'm probably not alone in this, but, you know, I, I could watch baseball on TV, but it, it just doesn't hold a candle to, you know, being at the stadium and watching it live. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Haas, uh, your week in a nutshell? Um, You know what? It's kind of the opposite of John's. It started out great, and it's just been going in the pisser ever since. Well, talk to us about the high point then. Uh, you know, the high point was just really, you know, going to class Monday and Wednesday. You know, it was good. Uh, did pretty think I did pretty well on the econ exam. Had a killer workout yesterday afternoon. Um, and then, yeah, then today it's just been like, oh, man, this sucks. He didn't even mention Coors Banquet. What the Because f- <laughs> I don't drink during the weeks. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. That makes me sound like I have a problem. You, you don't, I, I don't, but you don't mix the the course banquet with the pre workout. Just get it all done oh, in, in one drink. Let me tell you, that'd be one wicked shit. <laughs> <laughs> that would be. Oh my God. Okay. Oh, well, there's that, that man. My stomach just hurts just thinking about that. Well, course banquet will do that to you. Yeah, uh, I mean, like. 
I guess yesterday I forgot a shaker bottle for my pre-workout, so I had to scoop the pre-workout into my mouth and take a swig of water oh from my, my water bottle. I was, I was, felt like I needed to brush my teeth afterwards. Felt like that stuff was like ossifying to my molars. <laughs> that is, uh, you, you could have probably just foregone the pre-workout, right? You know. Oh no, it it it, it helps. It, it, I, I will take your word for it. Um, if you if you gentlemen will indulge me, uh, I want to share something from the Mahachko house that happened this week. Uh, of course. It, it was, You're the skipper. Well, I don't know. But I, I could still consider myself more of a Gilligan type, but that's all right. Um, Tuesday, after I got off work, uh, we had to make a, I think, yeah, we're going to go with Tuesday. I got a bad memory. Uh, it might have been Monday. Anyway, earlier this week, uh, we had to make a tough decision and uh, put one of our dogs down. And oh, that sucks. It was the drizzling Got shit. wrenching? Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't realize, you know, I mean, this dog's been with us, with my wife and I, since two months after we were married. We'll be married ten years, uh, you know, in May. Um, and, and she'd been with us since July of 2009. And, you know, it, it's tough to say. I know I'm, I'm sure everybody handles it different, you know, and, and uh, uh, but she had really slowed down her eating uh, over the last few weeks and pretty much last weekend uh, had stopped eating altogether. I mean, we tried everything to, you know, some of her favorite stuff to try to get her to eat, and she just wouldn't eat it or if she did eat you know a little bit she'd throw it up uh it was it was tuesday uh my wife was off work or, or you know took a day off because she wasn't feeling well had a headache and stuff and honestly it probably ended up being the best thing because she got to be home uh our dog whose name is lucky uh you know went outside and pretty much just laid out in the sun all day which is not her you know style she wants to kind of follow you around be up your butt a little bit um and, and looking back, I'm going to miss that. But uh, my wife told me, she's like, yeah, uh, she was laying there in the grass, and she just peed. You know, just right, didn't didn't move to squat or anything just as she was laying oh, there. Oh, wow. Uh, and I'm like, that's that's not a good sign. You know, she'd been throwing up since uh, Saturday night. Uh, and so we took her to the vet, not knowing, you know, kind of having an idea, but not knowing, you know, what the the – real out, outcomes could be and they took an x-ray uh and found that she had a mass on her liver and it was kind of pushing some of her organs down like they showed us on the x-ray I, i'm not real familiar with dog anatomy like i know where the legs are i know where the head is i know where the butt is because that's where the poop comes out you know that type of stuff um but they showed us on the, like you know these are where the organs should be but this mass is pushing everything down we can they, they said you know we can give her you know, prescribe her some medicine that will increase her appetite. But uh, as, as the vet put it, she said she's just going to slowly starve herself to death. And we're like, yeah, well, you know, that's, that's that, not good. That's, you know, that's no way to live. That That's not a life, really. So we made that tough decision. And our, our three-year-old son was with us. We got him from daycare, um, you know, and, and so he was with us. And he was in the room, and, and we're all in there together with, with our dog, Lucky. And, uh you know, like the the staff, uh, and I'll I'll give them a shout out. Belleville Animal Clinic uh, in in our town, Belleville, Illinois, was just fantastic. Um, you know, they were they were professional, but but also caring. You know, um, I guess good good bedside manner if if it were you know human patients, but uh, they, they were just absolutely fantastic. But we we cried, you know, um, and our son didn't because he didn't get it when that's fine he's three but you know it, it, I, we were leaving the room and i told him I'm, I'm carrying my son out and i said all right you know tell tell lucky bye he says bye my, my boy's always got this thing where he'll say bye see you tomorrow you know if it's leaving daycare or you know something like that uh he's all but i kind of cut him off after the bye so he couldn't say see you tomorrow knowing that that tomorrow wasn't going to be there and i said all right say love you lucky and you know he's three you know so he he hits you know, consonants and, and sounds his own way, but he's like, love you, lucky. And I'm like, oh, that just broke my heart too. Uh, and then we, we drive away and, and we're leaving, you know, without our dog and, and we get a few minutes down the road. He's like, wait, we got to go back and get lucky. I'm like, nobody. 
So it was it was tough, but it was the it was the right decision. Um, but it, it it sucks. So so our, our house is hurting a little bit this week. Uh, so I'm looking forward to this podcast to uh, you know take my mind off that a little bit. And we still got another dog, uh, Coco, who's a fantastic dog, and she's not the kind to be up your butt all the time. And and uh, so we'll give her extra love. And and uh, but let's get this podcast rolling and and uh, and take all our minds off of all of our woes. How's that sound, guys? Lucky, this imaginary Coors Banquet's for you. Well, I, I muted myself through that whole thing, you son of a bitch. So, <laughs> okay, let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Okay, so so news item? Yeah, I think we have a big Tim one Miles this week. Tim Miles has been fired. Yes, Tim Miles was fired. Did he deserve it? Yeah. It's a results-driven business. I'll say that, I'll say that you know, and and Haas uh, used the, the keyword there at the end. It's a business, uh, and you are trying to uh, achieve a you know a certain goal, and and in his time and with all of the, uh, he's had he's had great talent. Uh, you know this this season got away from him because of some injuries, things like that, uh, and and certainly the the last six or seven guys he had there at the end. You know I think they played their hearts out for him. Um, but he had the talent. He had the the means. Certainly, the facilities are, are second to none, in my opinion. Um, and don't get me wrong, I love Tim Miles. I wanted him to. You know, I said this a couple of years ago. Uh, I, I wanted Tim Miles to be the coach that that got it done for Nebraska as far as getting that first tournament win. Um, you know, I, I wish him luck. You know, or wish him success. I wish it. You know, down the road. You know, I. Uh, I, nothing against the man, and and even nothing against the coach, uh, Tim Miles. It's just like like Haw said, it's a results driven business, and that's a results driven position. And because of that, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta look elsewhere. Yeah, um, it, it was people, nice. A lot to of see people the- on Twitter were talking about how oh Nebraska shouldn't fire him. He's such a great guy. He's Developed a lot of good young men, and you know, character development's an important aspect of athletics, even at the major college level. But Tim Miles is not a life character development coach; he is a basketball coach, and that is the metric that he is judged on. Well, nobody was saying that. Here, here's the thing about that. Uh, you know, conversely, Mike Riley. Nobody's got a bad word to say about Mike Riley, but nobody mm. wanted to keep Mike Riley. You know, yeah, and the, here's the thing that drives me nuts with some of the people who are pissed about Miles being fired. Mike Riley was given no such quarter. No. You know, they, and they that ran is, him out. It's got to cut both ways. You know, I'm very, you know, big on that. I'm not, you know, I was an ardent Mike Riley supporter, but when it wasn't working out, it was time for a change. He is a football coach. Being a, being a nice guy but a bad football coach, the bad football coach part, that's not, you know, an indictment on who he is as a person. It's sure. not an assassination of character. It's just he wasn't a good football coach, you know? So, you know, and there are a lot of good coaches who keep their jobs who are not good people. It's, you know, it's a business. Oh, really? Yeah, like Nick Saban. <laughs> Bo Pelini's seven-year He's just a robot. Coach. He is just Roboba. When uh, you said that, I thought of Bobby Petrino my, oh, myself. Oh, God, well, yeah, I mean, that, that's... Well, those are some pretty low morals from old Bobby. I'll say this though: I don't know if you guys saw it on on social media or not, but the San Antonio Commanders of the Alliance of American Football got a whole ten hip hip hoorays this past week. I don't know what that means. Oh, that's cringeworthy. Um, that's like when I played freshman football. My head coach, when we'd win, we'd get on the bus and it'd be hip hip hooray, you know, for three different players or three different phases or plays of the game and it was like you know when you're a freshman in high school it's one thing but when you're playing major college football you know what you should have done as a freshman in high school after all the hip hip arrays you should have you should have busted out into for he's a jolly good fellow for he's a jolly good fellow for he's a jolly good fellow which nobody can deny i could go on and on with that tune but i'm not going to do that to our listeners God, if we keep this up, we're going to be family friendly. Oh gosh, we don't want that. We want to oh, be. No. Podcast. 
You know what? It was nice to see the outpouring of support for Tim Miles in terms of he was a great guy. He handled it extremely professionally. Everybody said they loved him. You know, he's, he's, he'll be fine. He'll get another job probably within six months or how, whatever the coaching hire for basketball term is. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How long that takes. And, and, uh, and we'll go on. You know, Greg and I discussed it when Mike Riley was fired. Like, if anyone's ever been fired from a job, you don't wish that. You know, if you've ever been fired from a job, you don't wish that on anyone. You know, even when you're a sports fan, in this case, you know, we're all diehard Nebraska athletics fans. You you know someone needs to be fired. You want them to be fired because you want what's best for the team, the program. But on a personal level, you still feel for them. You know, it's there's nothing worse than being fired from a job. Well, I, I will say that uh, as a consultant, I've been working as a consultant for many years, uh, probably about 30 years, actually. And um, most of my clients are very long-term clients. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was basically fired by one after about 18 years. Ooh. And my boss called me to tell me that, Basically, they were going in a different direction was the term you used, which um, I hung up the phone and I walked upstairs and I punched holes in our bathroom wall. And then uh, two weeks later, I went out with the customer uh, to say we had a dinner and and we just basically said goodbye to each other. So, yeah, it sucks. I mean, it, it it was shocking to me because I didn't see it coming. Uh, it really sucked because I liked working with this company and I literally had their, the guy that owned them when they were about a $5 million company said, came to me and he said, you need to build the IT infrastructure for us to get to 75 million, which is what I did. And then they sold off big part of their company and they, they made a lot of money. And, uh, and then it was kind of like, well, John, we're done with you. It's kind of like, well, okay, great. Okay, let's move on. Here, here's um, your hat. What's your hurry? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Well, I mean, it was like, you know, I worked with them for many, many years. So uh, the Bill Moose press conference, did you guys watch it? Nope. I did not. I was at work that day. I work all day, every day. Working so man. I'm the only one that gets to give an impression of it. Yes. Oh, please and, do. In fact, if you can do a Bill Moose voice, that's even better. I'll work on it. All right. You're up. I think that, well, I think number one, Bill Moose is, is very, very good at his press conferences. I think the idea, he, he, he is a, he's a good showman. He handles himself. You know what he doesn't have? He doesn't have thin skin, which is excellent considering the level of, you know, fan base insanity we have at Nebraska. Uh, he handles things with a sense of humor, uh, he handles questions, I think, pretty well, uh, and he he doesn't really get caught off guard. I mean, they they did ask him, I think, some pretty decent questions. Uh, one of the best ones that stymied him a little bit was when someone asked him, "When did you start talking to these other coaches that were on your list?" And he kind of hemmed and hawed. Uh, one thing for you, Haas, that I'd like you to explain is that he did point out point at one of the media people and he goes hey hi i haven't seen you in a while i remember you with that philadelphia sandwich bit or something to that effect (laughs) so you can you you can explain the philadelphia sandwich reference well the philadelphia cheesesteak reference from bill moose back in november 17 that was in response to the information that started leaking out was that Friday, the Friday morning of the Iowa game that year about how Frost and Matt Davison and Bill and Kendra Moose had privately met in Philadelphia the Saturday before when we were playing at Penn State and UCF was playing at Temple that day. Which is in Philadelphia. Yeah, Temple's in Philadelphia, and State College is, you know, three hours from anywhere in the state of Pennsylvania. So, you know, already went that far to the, you know, the Quaker State. Why not go a little further? Three hours from everywhere in the middle of nowhere. 
Yep, three hours from Pittsburgh, three hours from Harrisburg, three hours from Philadelphia. But how far from Hershey, which is really, as far as Pennsylvania destinations go, that's the only one that has a chocolate theme park. I, You know what? I am unaware. I'm on it. But I like the fact that Bill Moose, because I, I had heard about that little, you know, clandestine meeting in Philadelphia the morning of the Iowa game. And when I heard Dirk Chadlin reference that the next day, I was kind of like, oh, shit. Like, Bill Moose and Dirk going to get into a little, you know, dust up here at the press conference. And Bill Moose handled it with class, you know. And uh, it was really interesting that I didn't know that he said that to Dirk back on Tuesday, you know, until just now. But I, I find the humor in that, you know, little tongue-in-cheek comment. One hour and 51 minutes, by the way, from State College to Hershey. Oh, okay. Well, we know when we play at Penn State next, Greg's going to go to the game and go to the chocolate-themed amusement park. Let's be honest. I'm going to go to uh, Hersheyland or whatever it's called on Friday, and then I'll go to the game on Saturday. you got to go to Hersheyland and get the Hershey squirts. What? <laughs> I hope not. A chocolate themed amusement <laughs> park. What the hell is there? What? What? Is it? I don't even want to know. I bet okay. there's a lot of chocolate. No, no, I no. Bet when the, I bet when the janitors clean the clean the bathrooms, they're really confused on what's what. Let, let Let me rephrase. I don't know if it's actually chocolate themed, but it's it's Hershey Park. You can go at HersheyPark.com. I mean, it's it's like a Six Flags or anything else. It's just in Hershey, and it's you know got some. Uh, Candy tie-ins is all that I'm saying. You know, I don't. Okay. I don't eat candy hardly ever. But one of my weaknesses: Hershey's cookies and cream. Well, introduce. Well, you know, we know how to get to your heart, then, don't we? Oh yeah. Here we go. We're all we're we're making a we're going to take the show on the road in the summer of 2020. We're going to go to Hershey's Chocolate Town. It will be the new region at Hershey Park where guests can play, eat, shop, and gather. And it's going to be fantastic. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I'm going to tell my friends, where are you going in uh, 2020? I'm going to Hershey's Chocolate Town in Hershey, Pennsylvania, because this is the top of my fucking list of places I want to see before I die. So if we're driving there, can we stop at the Pro Football Hall of Fame on the way there? No, on the way back. Oh man, you gotta have something to look. If you guys are, you know, pardon my, you know, pun, but if you guys are shitting on chocolate or on Hershey's <laughs> Chocolate Town, then we gotta have something to look forward to. Canton can be on the way back. I've been uh, to Canton. I've not. I, I want to go. I've never been by road. I've never been further east than Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, don't get me started on your Illinois trips. I, I've flown to Florida. I've flown into Charlotte. I've flown into D.C. back from Florida, but I have never, by road, traveled further east than Chicago. Well, damn it, now I take that back because I've driven to Florida before. Okay, like, <laughs> driven east on Interstate 80 past Chicago. Let's put it that way. Did you know that Hershey Park has 14 coasters from mild to wild so the whole family can get their fill of sweet thrills? Please tell me they have a spinning ride called the Hershey Squirts. <laughs> Uh, like you know at Worlds of Fun they have the Scrambler yeah nobody should ever ride the Scrambler anywhere I went with some friends back in like 2013 to Worlds of Fun got there on a Friday night Saturday morning went to a Waffle House to get a nice breakfast before a day spent at Worlds and Oceans of Fun had a nice big Waffle House breakfast and then basically like came within a hair of throwing it all back up after going on the Scrambler as the very first ride so it scrambled my eggs just so you know, as I'm looking here, and I'm looking intently. Why? Why are you doing as, as we do this non-paid commercial for uh, uh, Hershey Park? Uh, I don't see anything called Hershey Squirts. However, they do have the Scrambler. <laughs> oh, uh, we, we need to get a change.org petition to change its name. I, I, I imagine they colloquially, <laughs> people call it that, maybe. I don't know. There's got to be something there they call that. You know I, that. I think if you're going to... God, now you're sucking me into this. <laughs> I think, as, as I'm looking at this, if I'm going to rename any of them the Hershey Squirt, it'd be the Howler, where you you're, you sit in what's a, a little... Uh, uh, it's a, a four-person 
Everybody's kind of facing each other, and it looks like as it's spinning, you can spin yourself. I think I would call that one the Hershey squirt. <laughs> kind of like how you writhe about on the uh, porcelain throne and you <laughs> get the Hershey squirts. I'm surprised there's a water park. That that, that that's really the people have dropped a Hershey bar into the. No, water. it's just there's baby Ruth baby bars Ruth. floating all over the place. Okay, uh, uh, Bill Moose did not announce Fred Hoiberg's hiring, and he said that he had contacted Fred Hoiberg, but uh, uh, that Fred Hoiberg was one of the people on his list. And that's what started the, the questioning about when did you start contacting these coaches? But uh, Fred Hoiberg is not hired. So, you know, we have all this information out there that sources say, sources say, sources say Fred Hoiberg. And Bill Moose stands in front of everybody and he says, Fred Hoiberg is not hired. What do you think of that? Um, I think the streets will... I was going to say flood with tears, but I don't think that's an appropriate um, thing to say right now. People will be rioting in the streets. If they don't get him? Yeah. You know, build it all up and then watch. We'll get some like, we'll get Nick Nolte from Blue Chips, you know, to come in and take over. And yeah, people aren't going to be happy. Because I mean, let's face it, Doc Sadler was like, when we hired him in August of 06 after Barry Collier totally effed us, it was like, who? Yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, like Pete Bell from Western State, the Western State Dolphins. Yeah, wouldn't be a bad hire. Seven, seven to 14 days before we know about a coach. I guess that because okay. that's, yeah. So, that's, so you're uh, looking at if Michigan State were to be eliminated this weekend because Hoiberg's son plays for Michigan State and he's you know, following them through the tournament, you could see it on like Tuesday. If Michigan State advanced past this weekend into the Elite Eight, you know, or into the Final Four weekend, it'd be 14 days. I'm hoping it drags out the 14 days. Honestly, I mean, you had you had uh, some guy from the Omaha paper writing articles about how. Uh, Miles is twisting in the wind, and this is a bad look. And my God, it was only 24 hours about, you know, 30 hours after the plane landed from their, the end of their actual season before Tim Miles was fired. I mean, it, it's just, here's the thing that I hate about the media. And keep, was that Chris playing, Eddy who wrote that? I didn't know. It was Dirk. Oh. Okay. Uh, here's the thing about media is technically we are Nebraska media, Okay. We're credentialed. Uh, I, I don't identify. Okay. Me. Well, we, we are credentialed by the athletic department. In our, their eyes, we're media. In the rest of the media's eyes, we're not media because we're SB Nation and, oh, my God, A bunch whatever. of slubs. Exactly. We're not made men. All right. We haven't uh, taken the media oath of Omepta. I think the thing is, is that no matter what <laughs> you, you do here, you are screwed. You get yeah, that? Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, because if he'd have fired him before the NIT, people would have complained that he didn't let him finish the season. And if he, you know, did what he did, obviously they complained because oh my god, the team doesn't know what the future is, and Tim Miles is left hanging. You know, Tim Miles is a—he didn't look exactly damaged by it. He knew you know, it was I'm coming. sure it's yeah. He pretty much knew it was coming. I mean, you could tell by the things he said okay like, so we should move like on when to your basketball. girlfriend you know start or a girl that you're talking to or your girlfriend or in some of our listeners cases your boyfriend you know they quit texting you for a while you know or like they're really spotty on getting into contact with them and then they drop the bomb on you that they're dumping you you know it's you know it's coming when the communication kind of goes cold Okay, one more thing about basketball. <laughs> I just, let's move on. Uh, uh, Mike uh, in the Slack room notifies us that uh, Sipple's column Friday is that Tyrone Lou, Tyron Lou, has expressed interest in the Husker Hoops job. Yeah, that I'm just came across Lee the wire. Didn't write that article. Well, Lee's gone. I know, but you know what I mean when I say that. Yes, I do. I just, good God, he. You know what? He's not. Uh, that's neat. Tyron Lewis can probably get a job somewhere, not at Nebraska, please. 
Maybe he'll get a job at Western State. Well, he doesn't have any experience coaching and God, recruiting. Is this reference going over your head every time? Yes, it is. Have you seen the movie Blue Chips? Yeah. Yeah, I have. The Western State Dolphins. Okay, well, my, I, my memory for movies is horrible. Where were you November 26, 1982? You know what? I was watching, I bet that was the day that I was watching uh, uh, Scott Strasburger, I think it was, intercept a pass, and uh, we beat Oklahoma. And I went you out on what? the field. I went out on the field, tried to tear down a goalpost, almost got trampled to death underneath it when I fell down. You're right, because I remember that date from when we uh, did the coronation cross-examinations. There you go. Yeah, good, good work, John Boy. By the way... But movies, uh, movies specifically, my memory of movies is, for some reason, just blown to shreds. The uh, Blue Chips debuted at number three, uh, but it underperformed, did not even make back its budget. Um, you mentioned, That's a damn champ. You mentioned uh, Nick Nolte, uh, of course, was in it. Uh, but uh, From Omaha. Shaquille O'Neal was in it. What I didn't realize, you know, there was another uh, NBA player who was in the movie. Penny Hardaway was in the yep, movie. Yep, Penny Hardaway. And I'm sure there were others, but those are the uh, those are the ones. Matt that... Painter, produce head coach, was an extra in that movie. Yes, he was. He he was a uh, uh, in a cameo role. Bob Knight, Rick Pitino, uh, let's see here. Jerry Tarkanian. Yep. Jim Bayheim. I don't know if you guys can tell, I love the movie Blue Chips. Larry, I guess so. Larry like, Bird. I love that. Ed O'Neill. Ed O'Neill. Dick Vital. Uh, see, you love the movie, and I love Wikipedia. Yeah, yes, you do. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, uh, we're going to yep. take a quick timeout. When we come back, I'll sell some bacon. That's right. It's or bacon, bacon, juice. bacon time. Uh, we're going to talk about college football attendance, live sport attendance, and uh, some changes in the NFL. And that's coming up after this quick commercial timeout from the Five Heart Podcast on the SB Nation Podcast Network and jitterymonkey.com. We'll be back right after this. Okay. John, how shocked would you be if Bill Moose like, we're getting the band back together, Danny Knee. <laughs> I'd be very shocked. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, that Dirk Chadlin series that uh, he wrote last year about Danny Knee and that run in the 90s, that's some pretty damn good basketball. Well, it was it was the best we ever were. Yeah. <coughs> and honestly, if that's all we ever got back to, I'd be that'd be cool with it. Just win a game in the dance. Yeah, but, exactly. That's I'm like that's if I was Bill Moose, that's why I'd pitch to Fred Hoiberg. I'd be like, you win one game in the NCAA tournament, you're here for life. I wouldn't pitch it that way. Well, we got to start somewhere. No, no, no. Think about this for a minute. I want you to think about this. It was Tim Miles looked like he was sad when they told him he was fired. No, he looked relieved. Relieved? Why? Because pressure was off. The expectations for a program that's never accomplished much were pretty high. Off the charts. Yep. And I don't think that it's – I don't think – that it's different at Nebraska than most other places. I don't think we're more insane than most other fan bases. I mean, let's say the top 10 of fan bases in each sport. We're but we, I think we are a fan base that after a while you just go, oh, my God, I need to go someplace different. Yeah, but we're not any crazier than – like Bo used to always say that about how crazy we were. Here's the thing. Go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Norman, Oklahoma. Go anywhere. And it's it's a fishbowl here, but it's even worse in those places. Yeah, well, he'd said that. But, yeah, he wasn't the head coach at LSU. 
No, he wasn't. And he wasn't the head coach at Oklahoma. And he despised recruiting, hated the general public outside of a football program. You know, the guy just, you know. I don't know. Was he a whiny fucking asshole? Yeah, he was. Yeah, I think he was a good football coach, but unfortunately, the whiny fucking asshole part of him really ran over the rest of it. I don't know. Is a good football coach uh, not differentiate anything to fit the play- the scheme to the players? Rather, expects the players to fit the scheme. I think a good football coach might do that, but yeah. a very good football coach would would change his scheme to fit his players. Exactly. That's what. Like, I, I guarantee you, you'll see. In the course that Scott Frost is at Nebraska, I bet you'll see a year where maybe we don't have a really dynamic eye back or we don't have a dynamic dual threat quarterback. Maybe we got a guy who's a better thrower. I bet you'd see the offense kind of take on more of a air raid feel, you know, to kind of fit the strengths of the players. Are you recording this, Greg? Yeah. Okay. And I just think, you know, that's the kind of guy Frost is, you know, he's going to look at what he has, how it can translate onto the field to be successful. He's not going to be like with Bo, well, I need dominant defensive tackles who can two-gap, and once they you know secure both gaps, get off a block. Okay, I can't recruit great. here. You got Indomitian Sue and Jared Crick, but why on earth did you recruit Thad Randall? <laughs> you know? There's a name you never like, hear from. Thad Randall wasn't a horrible player. He would have been better if it was in a one-gap system. You know, like a lot of the D linemen in 11, 12, 13, 14 would have been better players in a one-gap system, but instead Bo's like, no, they're two-gappers. Well, then why would you recruit them if they're not going to be successful in a two-gap system? You know, so ultimately it falls back on him, and that's why in the argue, like I was not a Bo guy. I was all in favor of his firing starting in 2012. But that's why it's maddening with Bo when you look at his baseline results, nine and four, the occasional ten and four year. Nothing to scoff at. Imagine if he would have fit, you know, differentiated things to fit for the scheme to fit the player rather than trying to get the player to fit the scheme. You mean Imagine if he would have changed he done that, capable of little even bitty better. bits of like, change? What? If he'd have been capable of even tiny bits of change? Yeah. If he were capable of tiny bits of change, not micromanaging his coordinators, and recruiting at a higher level, putting in the effort to recruit at a higher level, he could have done much better than 9-4 and four, 10 and 10-4. That's why I had such an issue with it, because he was just doing the bare minimum to scrape by with a respectable record, but he was never going to do enough to push us over the hump. That's different Tom Osborne running into a buzz buzzsaw led by Barry Switzer, you know, and not being able to get over on Oklahoma. That's different. Like we were doing all that we could to get over on them. Oklahoma was just still better. Bo, you know, was content just to ride that nine and four, ten and four, you know, mark for all it's worth. I don't disagree bottom, with any of this. The bottom was going to yeah. drop out, drop out on him eventually. The bottom would have dropped out on him in twenty fifteen. Excuse me, 2015. Because his recruiting left so many gaps. Yep, the recruiting left so many gaps. I mean, we were piecemealing a defensive line together in 15 with guys like Ross Desuris and Jack Gangwish. High motor, high effort guys, but not the kind of guys that are going to win you games. Well, now hold on a second. One had one of the better mustaches in college football. And the other one <laughs> had a picture of him holding uh, some bull testicles on Twitter. So I don't know what more you want out of your defensive lineman. Elite speed. Okay, fine. Or no, not not speed. Elite quickness. Well, what you're you, so you, demanding. You're, you well, sound like no, the kind of person you, who wants your cake and to eat it. This week, too. John, to come what? up with a football topic, and I said getting off the field on third down. This is a perfect segue into this. To get off the field on third down, you have to have a pass rush. You have to have guys who can defeat blocks one-on-one and get to the quarterback. If you don't have natu- a front four that can get a pass rush naturally without bringing extra pressure, that quarterback's going to get the ball out quick to somebody in avoiding coverage. Or somebody, you know, in man, you know, a defender's going to 
be a step slow and they're going to get the ball out to the guy with a little bit of separation. So if we're going to get off the field on third down, we have to develop a pass rush. We have to have the athletes at the pass rusher positions that can beat blocks one-on-one, mano-a-mano. We're, we're still not in that position next year, are we? No, I think we'll be bringing extra heat. Um, there's not a guy on the roster who stands out as an apex predator pass rusher. Maybe I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope someone steps up and develops, like, say, a Caleb Tanner. Um, but right now, I think you're still going to see us have to bring heat in order to bring extra pressure to generate heat on the quarterback. You know, I'm, I'm sitting right here, and uh, <laughs> I feel like you're overlooking me just a little bit as your apex predator. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm right here, guys. Come on. Greg, how much uh, college eligibility do you have left? All of it. Sweet. I'm gonna. I have. How much? How much can you squat? Yeah. How much can you squat? I can pop a squat with the best of them. What's your ten yard dash time? Uh I can run to the fridge real fast if there's ice. Okay, I'm guessing. Your, what, I'm guessing if ten... there's cookies and cream, you're the apex predator of that. <laughs> what, what's your What's your ten yard dash time if your kid is getting into something that he shouldn't be in? Oh, if if I if you put okay, I'm also a water boy by trade, so this this is right. But if you put, oh uh, yeah. But if you put, you know, like imagine Adam Sandler and you know, like water sucks. It really, really sucks. You know, give that. You know, or, or if if the quarterback's talking about his mama or something, I'm lightning fast. If my kid's like getting into the fridge and he doesn't need to be getting into the fridge, I will jump over the couch. Like spin move around the kitchen table, and I'll be upon him before he can climb up into the fridge to try to get what he's after, be it juice or milk or chalk. I don't know. The kid's crazy. Um, All right, perfect. I, no, I'll tell you what. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna fly. I think you have a really slow child. <laughs> John, I, come on. I'm, I'm gonna I'm use that. I'm gonna use that image as tackling fuel. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get you on a plane for <laughs> Omaha. Okay. John, drive down from Minnesota. We're gonna pick Greg up at the airport, drive him to Lincoln, and we're gonna tell Scott Frost that this guy is the most natural pass rusher we've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, wow, well, we're we haven't even had the spring game, and we're knee deep in off season shit. No, oh, no, yeah, we're just well, knee yeah, deep in shit. Why else do you think we came up with the idea of the coronation cross examinations? It was <laughs> off season fodder. Wow, that's true. Okay, now, last year Nebraska was 105th in, out of 130 teams in third opponent third down conversions. Where did but you, you know what's statistic? crazy is we must have led the country in getting people into third down. Like our first and second down defense was pretty stout. We'd get people into third down, but we just couldn't seal the deal. We let them off the hook so many times. Danny Even Green? our third and long was terrible. I it was like thought... we were better at third and short. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. For some reason, they, uh, you know, buckled that chin strap a little tighter and, and uh, you know, became that wall because just, you know, they third and 10, third and seven, third and 15, it didn't matter. Uh, you know, too often they were letting the opposing offense off the hook. and Well, Chenander's coverage calls didn't help matters for a good stretch of the season, too. What... By, by the way, everybody, uh, much to our dismay, and we're going to get back to football talk right away, but much to our dismay, the Nebraska Men's Hockey Club uh, went 0-3 at the national tournament down in Frisco, Texas this week. Uh, hopefully we can get Coach Reed Fuller on uh, to talk about the experience maybe in the next week or two after things settle down. Uh, anyway, back to football. Uh, I had to get that shot there. Um, w- Personnel-wise, who do we have to shore up the the secondary in 2019 like who's going to be you know the the anchor this the thing is the secondary in terms of coverage got a lot better as the year went on and you just got to replace guys like trey neal and antonio reed and aaron williams and you know so that's deontay williams and jojo doman in certain packages going in at the safety spots the corners really started to hold their own. Lamar Jackson, DiCaprio Boodle. I'm not concerned about coverage because when Deontay Williams was in there, 
he showed himself to be a pretty capable football player. The whole thing went, the whole key to defensive improvement comes down to pass a pass rush and the nose guard position. Yeah. I, mean, I think, I, I think if you went back to our game threads and our, all of the comments about last season with regards to our defense was they have to fire Chenander, fire Chenander, fire Chenander. But that's what, that is what we do. I mean, as a fan base, I mean, most people are like, ah, fire everybody, fire, 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 fire. You know what I mean? But, uh, I mean, most of them were talking crap about scheme. Yeah, the, the scheme, okay, like Northwestern with Flynn Nagel running unabated on crossing routes, that was bad. Um, we stayed in man, and when you got a guy who's a step slow covering a crossing route in man coverage, you're going to get torched. We should have gone to some zone or gone with a zone blitz where brings you know have everyone lined up, have some guys faking like they're going to bring pressure and then drop back to cover the middle where those crossing routes you know break across the midline and you know have someone in position to disrupt the route. We didn't do that. We stayed in split safety coverage, man underneath, and we just got you know eviscerated by Northwestern. Did we do that to stop from giving up big plays? No, we just thought we could match up with them in man. Um, you go with zone if you want to you know, mitigate the damage of big plays. But we should have gone to that a lot sooner. You know, some sort of a zone blitz. LaVisca Chenault against Colorado had, you know, for Colorado against us, had an uncanny ability to line up wide and get inside leverage on the defender and, you know, burn us on little, you know, post routes or crossing routes. And so, you know, we just didn't have, we didn't have the scheme dialed in for a stretch of the season, but as time went on, the man coverage scheme started clicking for guys and we were able to pass off. If we were in man, guys were able to run with the crossing routes. If we were in pattern matching zone, we were able to pass off the crossing routes as they, you know, came across the middle. Wow. That's a lot of just uh, sexy football talk. Pass, the passing game and passing defense, the coverages, that is a wormhole to go down. No team, no two teams do it the same way. Really? Yep, everyone's got a little variation of something they do differently and you know, or they'll be in a cover three shell before the snap and they'll flip it, you know, to a two high safety coverage at the snap and or they'll they'll be in zone, but it'll look like man because they're doing pattern matching quarters coverage like Bo Pelini did here or like in basketball when they're in matchup zones where players are protecting zones but as the offensive player you know, goes through their zone, they don't just stand there guarding a piece of the floor or in football, a piece of grass. You know, they move with the player until he's moved into the next zone for the next defender to pick him up. Okay, so here's a question for you, football mastery guy. <laughs> Whoa. Um, um, okay, let's take a, let's say a profile of high schools, okay? okay. And let's say, like, uh, we're going to look at, High schools around Nebraska, in the big schools, not the small schools, right? The level of defenses that they run is nowhere near like pattern matching in, in the backfield. Because the offenses aren't running that complex offense either, correct? Um, offenses are getting a little bit better in Nebraska high school football, but by and large, high school offenses are pretty basic. But again, okay, that that's in Nebraska, though. Yes. So let's let okay. So let's compare that to let's say a high school offense that's at IMG or at Mater D. Is it Mater D? Yeah, in California. Yeah. Okay, those those high school offenses. Are you sure it's not modern day? You oh, don't make me come over there. <laughs> Sorry. Papa John. Okay, what I'm talking about is the top elite high schools in which people find quarterbacks. 
Oh yeah, like it's they're running pretty sophisticated passing games at that point. So so when you have a guys when you have I let's say I a, a recruiting class of 25 guys come in, you have an extreme difference in their level of knowledge about what kind of defense you're going to run, right? Yeah, I mean, you could have a guy coming in. Like, are you, you're talking defensive players, correct? Well, let's just stay on the defensive side. It's a long okay. off season. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, you might have some guys coming in who just ran nothing at their high school except for you know the old country cover three. You know, walk a safety down the box to defend against the run. Have a free safety and two corners out defending the passing game. And it's just it's called the country cover cover three because it's just simple. You know. It's honestly and, called the con- country cover three. Yeah. Like, it's just simple. You're trying to defend the run, and you're just defending some simple routes. You know, you might get, at worst, you might get three verticals, you know, from the split end, the wing back, and the tight end. And, well, you got three guys, you know, two corners and a free safety to carry those vertically. So it might be pretty simple, you know, what they're used to. Then you might get guys, you know, who are from Texas, Louisiana, SoCal, Georgia, or Florida who they've been running stuff, you know, similar to, like, what Brett Venable's is doing a Clemson. So, you know, that's why you want to recruit guys who have a high football IQ. They understand the, the game at a high level. They've been exposed to the finer details of, you know, schematics. I just wanted to make sure that if I looked up Cover Country 3 on Google that I didn't run into a bunch of porn positions that I'd really never wanted to see. <laughs> No, you, you go to get a coach. No, I don't. I don't now I brought it up. I don't want to go to anything. Get get a coachhuey.com message board account. Go to the search board and search bar and type in country cover three and something will come up. Actually, okay. I'm not really sure what's going to come up. Well, it's kind of like John Johnson's great adventure. <laughs> Is this one of those? Is it one of those create your own adventures? Hey, the world is your oyster. Well, I've been around for a long time, done a lot of shit. What do you want from me? Yeah, tell us about the adventure and how you survived the Lusitania. <laughs> we we were going doing so well with actual football. We really were. Um, yeah, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. So, how long does it take a guy before he can learn? Let's say he's coming from Cover Country 3. <laughs> and he has to learn a Chenander defense. And he is a cornerback. Well, I mean, it just depends on how, at that point, it's more about the, you know, aptitude of somebody intelligence-wise. How, how quick of a learner are they? Are they able to conceptualize it quickly? Um what kind of a learner they are. What, how are they going to learn best? Are they going to learn best by sitting in the film room and watching film of it? Are they going to learn best from watching film and drawing it up on the board and walking through it with their position coach? Or are they going to learn best by looking at it on paper and then going out there to the practice field and, you know, going through it? It's like Nick Saban, to teach scheme, Nick Saban talks about how a player has to see it seven different times on paper, on video, in a demonstration, in a walkthrough, in a drill that's specific to that scheme, in half-team reps, and then full-team reps. So, you know, seven times that the more somebody does it, the more they catch on. It's just, you know, it's repetition. So anyone can learn it. I mean, unless, you know, someone like Dexter Manley, you know, and they might be a little bit, you know, slow on picking things up. Um but it's, it just comes down to repetition. Okay, so and and then when you're a, when you are a coach like Scott Frost, and you go out to meet these guys you're recruiting, I mean, how do you determine? I'd ask you, what, questions. What, what do you just start asking them like random questions? I'd ask them, you know, name three of the four character char- Japanese characters that were, were bombed at the Battle of Midway. No, that's not relevant to. The fifty-three and one-third yards wide width and one hundred and ten yards length of a football field. One hundred and twenty yards, damn! I mean, it, math was never my strong suit. Um, 
No, I'd ask them questions, you know. Hey, what's your favorite play that you guys run? And when they say, oh, you know, I I like pro-right 42 counter trap, I'd say, all right, go ahead and draw it up for me. And then when they draw it up on a napkin or something, you know, I'd be like, okay, um, they walk this linebacker down, put him on the line of scrimmage. How's that change your blocking scheme? What call do you make? And just walk them through a few different scenarios. It doesn't want to become like that's the entire focus of the recruiting visit, but just kind of get an idea of, you know, how in tune are they to the scheme. So, so this actually happens. I have no concept of what a coach does when he's recruiting somebody. Just, yeah, I mean, I, I happens, think most you know? people don't. I mean, what do we see as fans? What do we see as people? We see them posing with the jerseys and the helmets. Exactly. Hearing about how their player host took them to a, you know, a rager of a party down in the North Bottoms, you know, stuff like that. Right. We don't hear about any of this other stuff. So and when you go on, like, when you go on our comments and recruiting and you go, or you go on message boards and you look at, like, what's going on with recruiting, uh, <laughs> well, he, he, he likes the color of red, so that's why he chose Nebraska. You know what I mean? Yep. And recruiting, just like anything, it's a crapshoot. It's like yeah. buying a used car. You know, you did, I, you, did you you realize that a few years ago I did yearbooks, right? Yes. Okay, at that somehow time, somehow you got Chris Brown from Smart Football to write a little bit. Yes, I did. That's pretty. And that's, awesome. We were we were doing we were actually doing very well when the publisher went out of business, but at that time, uh, I actually that. Uh, I uh, who did recruiting? I think Brandon Cavanaugh did some of our recruiting. Eight, all eight places. Yeah, and uh, but the thing was, is I also I swore to God I never wanted to do anything with the recruiting. But since I was the editor, I started calling uh, coaches and and talking to parents. And uh, I don't. I usually never talk to the kids themselves. Because that was kind of Brandon's area. He was the you know looking at recruiting at that level. But uh, for me, I would talk to the high school coaches and I would talk to their parents and stuff like that. And I would also one of the things I had to do was get photos of them. But it was very interesting. I didn't I, after I had the experience, I didn't feel. I thought it would be a very. I was very nervous about it because I thought it would be very like. Why would this football coach want to talk to me ever? And most 98% of the football coaches I talked to were very, very gracious. They were very nice. Uh, they a lot of times accommodated my schedule. Uh, but I, I was kind of, I guess, I guess, you know, going back to the Nick Nolte character, maybe that's what I thought a, a coach would be, where he starts screaming at the end of that movie in the press conference. When, when the situation necessitates that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So am I going to be like screaming at Greg Mahochko one day, you know, because Greg asked me a question at a press conference. and It's probably going to be about a Philadelphia sandwich. <laughs> or, or I don't not. know, but if, I will, callback, I will, I'll tell you this, you son of a bitch. Huh. If you're ever going to be a coach, I'm going to live long enough to be in a press conference where I get to ask you questions. Oh, God. <laughs> I like, have new goal in life. It's, it's going to be just screaming back and forth, mutually assured destruction. I think it, this is this is me being serious now for a minute. I think that when you're a coach, not if when you're a coach, and I'm in press in the press corps and in the press conference, my first question, yeah, Co- Coach Roy, Coach Reuter, um, uh, Greg Mahochko, coordination dot com. Uh, <laughs> quick question. Now that you have an increased salary than what you were accustomed to a few years ago, have you found a better beer than Coors Banquet? <laughs> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be my I you know, I mean Tim Miles after he got fired said I'm gonna go have a cold Coors Light. My first thought was that guy's gonna get like a what how many millions of dollars of buys out and he's gonna go have a cold shitty ass beer. Guys, there's no accounting for taste. Oh god there isn't. Yes. Yeah. You like what you like. Real Not quick. a bunch of beer snobs. Beer snobs. 
I don't think we yeah. have time. You guys with your vanilla coffee stout porter ale IPAs. I, I just want to say that one of my favorite beers is uh, Am Still Light. No, it is from forty two zero four Main Street Brewing Company, Belleville, Illinois. It is their off duty all American lager. Uh, um, among its many attributes and accolades, it's just a fine lager. Uh, but they do, you know, for every six pack, uh, or or if if you're there at the tap room and you're you're buying one draft, they do a portion of the proceeds go to, uh, you know, like uh, emergency or, or first responders, uh, you know, in the area. So uh, be it some of the organizations. So that that's one of the many reasons why I support forty two zero four Main Street Brewing Company, Belleville, Illinois. Well, wow, you, know, Jared, you, you talk a lot about Belleville, Illinois, Illinois. You ever thought of running for student, your student city council? <laughs> I don't like it that much. <laughs> no, Nick Mahochko here, mayor of Belleville. No, uh, I'll, that'll never happen. Uh, this is a. a hey, this if you were is, the mayor of Belleville, you'd have to wear a big belt buckle and a bolo tie. Not that kind of town. Uh, but this is this is a weird thing. This is unrelated. By the way, the show, folks, is, is almost over. Uh, we're not going to get to some of our other topics because we've already hit that hour mark. Uh, but you know, at the top of the show, I talked about, uh, you know, our, our dog, uh, which was unexpected, but my wife goes to pick up our son from daycare, uh, this afternoon. And she's like, yeah, it took a long time to get out of the neighborhood because, uh, there, there were police and fire trucks and, and everything else. I'm like, and we don't live too far from a school. I said, Oh, was it like the, you know, I'm thinking school's on lockdown or something like that. She's like, no, no in the neighborhood. And then she sends me a screenshot of uh, Facebook, and the the city police department says, uh, you know, right there, our road, uh, it, you know, a, a dead body, you know, uh, suspicious causes or, or, you know, cause unknown, autopsy to be done tomorrow. I'm like, great. And then I get home from work, and I've got dinner in hand, and, like, my family's not in the house. That's my wife, my son, and the dog. And uh, her phone was on the couch, and and they went for a walk. I'm like, I hope you went the direction opposite of the dead body house. You know, <laughs> like I'm freaking yeah. out. <laughs> I'm like, why would you go for a walk the day that they find a dead body down the road? She's like, because yeah, you might want to just stay inside, shut the blinds, lock the doors. <laughs> She's like, but he just kept saying, outside, outside, go outside. I'm like, okay, we have a fenced-in backyard. <laughs> I was freaking out, man, with everything. So anyway. Um, That's exactly why she did it. To freak me out? Yeah, to try to kill you early. Well, I've got gray hairs already. Uh, and, and uh, yeah, yeah, you're aging by the moment. I, every day I feel It's what it. they do to you. It's what they do. Um, I, I'm 36. My knee feels like it's 63. So that's a plus. Um, we are out of time, uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Husker fans. Of did all you ages. wait a minute? What? What did you just say there? I said we're out of time. No, before that. I said my I'm 36, but my knee feels like it's 63. Oh, I thought you said we. <laughs> okay. Okay. You all right, John? That's like, yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my sixth grade humor to end this podcast. I'll just, I'm just going to go now. Uh, by the way, John, I need your help. Can you help me before we go off the air? What? Uh, I, I can't officially, I don't think, give this episode an explicit tag yet. Can you help me out with that? I already said, I said the F word earlier. Did you fucker? <laughs> okay, now we're good. Fuck yeah. I, I feel like it's, um, th- there's a movie that came out ar- around the turn of the century, uh, you know, 2004, 2005, something like that, called Accepted. It was a, a little college comedy, coming of age type thing, and Lewis Black is in it, who he, works very blue in his stand-up comedy. Uh, but the movie itself has a PG-13 rating, and it, I come to find out in, in doing research that, you know, at one point, uh, you know, he says the, the F word, uh, f- f- fuck, he says that, uh, but at the end, uh, end of the movie, uh, they bleep it out. I'm like, why in the world would they bleep it out? Because, uh, at least at the time, and maybe it's changed, you know, in the last uh, decade or so, but at the time, you could only have one F-bomb in a movie to hold on to the PG-13 rating. And so that's why they bleeped out the second one. So I just needed to make sure we got two in so I could throw in that explicit rating and make all of our listeners happy. Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) Oh, great. Now we've gone overboard. 
Um, so, so that's our show, everybody. Uh, next week, we're probably going to have some people joining us on the show. I've got a few things in the works, both uh, from our coordination brethren and uh, from outside. We might bring back a, a recent guest uh, and, and talk a little hockey and, and kind of get a quick rundown of uh, the national tournament where our Huskers went 0-3, but uh, they, they played valiantly and look forward to hopefully getting a, a little recap of uh, this week. Uh, and who knows, by next week we might know who our next uh, uh, men's basketball coach is. We're going to have it all for you. We also have uh, another podcast coming down the pipes uh, here at Coronation in uh, probably within the next few weeks. Be listening for that. That'll do it for this episode of the Five Heart Podcast. For Hoss Reuter, for John Dam Johnston, I'm Greg Mahochko reminding you this week and every week that Five Heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red! Wee! Win the fucking offseason. I like how John did that. He's like he was on the thrill ride at Hershey Park. He might have been on yeah. the Hershey Squirts. Hershey Squirts. And now John needs a diaper. Yeah. Uh, my Wii is not 63. <laughs> no, it's 93. No. <laughs> Been taking them blue chews again, huh? <laughs> blue chew for your hashtag super hard. Listen here, young man. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com.